Heyo, I'm Dano, and this is the Read Aloud Dinner Podcast, a weekly podcast dedicated to helping family units grow in love together by teaching them how to read aloud as a family. Hey, this is part two of a two-part series about the reading, scaffolding reading aloud as a family or reading aloud at dinner. The first part was a little, (laughs) you know, a little religious as I used our family's Catholic faith as a metaphor for scaffolding and building up. And if you haven't listened to that podcast, I'm going to encourage you to listen to it just because, I mean, it's, it is an apt metaphor and it was just, it was taking something that was important to our family and how we grew that as a family, which is what this podcast is all about. How do you take something and grow it so that you can grow in love together as a family? Now we're going to move on to the second part of that, where I connect that metaphor or I use that extended metaphor and finish it out and say, this is how reading aloud as a family is like building a religion or building a ritual. The last thing I want to say is, hey, could you rate this podcast and drop a review in Apple, whatever, um, the podcast, Apple podcast or Spotify, whatever you find the podcast and give me a feedback. It could be a one star or a five. I just need something. I want communication. I want to talk to you and I, and, and please, you know, slam me, rip me, give me some advice, say, hey, this, I really love it when you do this. That's how I grow as that's how I grow as a teacher with students completely saying you're terrible and then going, okay, I'm not gonna do that anymore. And then growing and now they're like, hey, you're a pretty good teacher. That's what I want to do here. So your voice will help me be the best podcaster that I can be and give you the kind of material that's going to make your lives better. So if you could do that, that'd be awesome. But here is part two of scaffolding reading aloud at dinner. Bye. I'm using prayer because it illustrates the ethereal nature of reading aloud. Because prayers are read aloud. Catholics, we read prayers. If you you are of the Protestant tradition, maybe you are, you maybe remember like like a dad or a a pastor and they're they're reading, you know, they're, they're saying their prayers and their eyes are closed and they're just talking. And who knows what they're saying? They're just, they're saying something. Catholics, we read our prayers. And sometimes we don't know what they're saying either. So let's just be, I'll be, I'm not going to, I'm not bashing. It's like, um, you know, like what the, what the heck did I just read? But we read our prayers aloud. And as Catholics, we believe in the power of written and spoken prayers. So we pray for grace that is good gifts through reading aloud or read aloud prayers. That is go to any Catholic church, look, look up any Catholic prayer book. We read our prayers. So for a family that is not spiritual, does not hold the same faith tradition as I do, understand that reading aloud does have some sort of spiritual or mental effect on the listener. I think we can agree on that. That is spoken words go out into space and time and can change a life. Spoken words have power, and we know this. Think of any speech you've listened to. 
spoken words have power. Ideas have power. And when you read that idea aloud, it creates, you could call it a mental effect if you don't want it to call it spiritual, but it, it creates something that hits you and moves you and changes you. And what do you call that? Just like Catholics use read aloud prayers for good gifts or graces from, from God. So reading aloud or reading stories as a family is, 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 is lifting up ideas and information for the good gifts of knowledge. You know, like Daniel, that was amazing. I know, I know, I'll take credit for it. <laughs> so how do we hand down that power, this power of speaking words into space and time to affect change? We teach it through words and deeds. So the first element that we want to do is that we want to demonstrate reading aloud as a family. So what would I do? Well, okay, like I said, your, your foundation is going to be that why then you also want to have the pattern. So your foundation is why, then, you want to want to, then you're going to want to have a pattern. But how are you going to have a pattern if you are not going to demonstrate it yourself? So are you reading aloud to your family? Are you doing it? Are you reading the newspaper? Are you reading an article? Are you reading something? Are you reading a poem? And then are you going to allow that something to spark conversation, debate, or questioning? Next, after you've demonstrated the power of reading aloud and the poem or the article or whatever, I thought of um, a, Supreme Court just, a Supreme Court justice talked about this um, and how he started his interest in law, I think it was his mom, his mom and dad would read something to him or say, or, or bring up an argument. And then they would debate that argument at the kitchen table. And the mother and father would, would critique the points of argument, whether they had a logical fallacy or whether they were getting personal with the matter. And then, I mean, they eventually became a powerful lawyer, a ju good judge, and then eventually to the Supreme court. So, I mean, that's like that, like, that's what I mean. Like, are you doing that at your kitchen table? I mean, it made a Supreme Court justice after I just got saying, you know, you don't need to worry about, you know, your, your kid becoming the most amazing. But the, the, the point is, if you move in a consistent ritualistic manner, it will yield great or will compound into great results. Now, that's not my goal for it. I don't think that should be your goal, but I think it's an added benefit to um, the kind of knowledge or, 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 I mean, love is my goal. And the way that this person, I think, talked about their parents was a very loving, you know, like, like a fondness of, of what their parents would do with them at the, at the kitchen table. And that, I think that was preeminent. And then second was like, oh, and they became a Supreme Court justice because they had this ability to reason and rationalize and, and they did this. So, um, I'm just looking to see, I'm going off of my notes cause I can get, I can do this sidetrack thing and, and I can get lost. Okay. So just as our family goes to mass every 
Sunday, and that's a ritual. You want to demonstrate it. Just reading aloud if you're doing it at before bed or breakfast or dinner or whatever. You you want to read something consistently. So breakfast. I got a story about that. So we were reading a book called Manners Begin at Breakfast. Gonna recommend that book. Book recommendation for you for any age of kids. It could be from kindergarten all the way up to high school. So we read this book every night called Manners Begin at Breakfast. It's written by some princess in Greece. She's amazing. She did a great job with the book. It's a beautiful book. Um, it was it was actually knocked off a, a counter and broke, so I have to buy it again, but I'm gladly going to buy it again. It's a beautiful book, and I highly recommend it. So Manners Begin at Breakfast, pick it up. It was all about manners. So if you come to a Bernstrom at the Bern, if you come to dinner at the Bernstrom house, not only will there be a book read, but you will also probably be subject to an elbow check <laughs> to make sure that you're not eating with your elbows on the table. So if you are caught with your elbows on the table, you'll hear elbow check. And then you have to go, oh man, I'm not eating as I properly should. And that little book about manner, not little book is pretty hefty, but that book about manners changed the culture of our family. That's what I mean. Speaking it out into space and time and affecting change or, or, or giving grace, giving a good gift to you. So whether you're religious or not, I mean, that's, that's what happens when you read aloud as a family. So it's changed the culture of our family for the better, I believe. And our kids want to behave better because of the book that we read. We also paired the book with activity. So this is now scaffold. So now we're now moving to the next level of the scaffold. So try to make reading come alive. The example with the Supreme Court Justice, we're going to read this article, and now we're going to debate one side or issue of this of this problem. And maybe they read like a, something from crime, like, oh, there's this crime. How would you how would you defend this person if you were the defense attorney? How would you prosecute this person if you were the prosecutor? That this was an example of the parents making reading come alive. So for manners begin at breakfast. We read the book about setting the table and using our silverware correctly. Well, we also learned about housewarming gifts and how to take road trips and proper etiquette when staying at someone else's house. And after learning about these various things, we like once we broke out the china, like, oh, let's talk about table setting. And so we took the fine china out and it was special because mom got her fancy dishes and the kids placed their forks and spoons and we still place our forks and spoons correctly to this day. We talk about how to properly hold our spoon and fork and knife and all of that. But we also now, when we went to, we talked about housewarming gifts, like whenever you visit a house, you should bring a gift. And it wasn't to argue with the book. It was to make the book fun. Like you could say, well, you don't have to do that. Well, that's not the point. The point was we read something. So we wanted to engage with the reading. So when we got the book and we read about housewarming gifts and we were going to grandma and grandpa's house. So the kids went and got a gift for grandma and grandpa as a housewarming gift. 
And do you think that they were upset about finding a gift for grandma and grandpa and then rushing to grandma and grandpa's house and giving grandma and grandpa a gift? You know what grandma and grandpa did? They're like, oh, this is awesome. Yes. We went on vacation and the kids were excited. So we read about vacations and going on trips. And so the kid, we went on a trip. We went on a massive road trip. And the kids were so excited to use their please and thank you skills that they had learned in the book. Because it said, oh, this is what you ought to do. So there they were. Like, oh, we learned about this. We're, we're going to do this because it was in the book. <laughs> and I don't know. It, it made... It made reading and literature and I mean, and, and it wasn't even literature, it's a nonfiction book come alive. Do you see what I mean by scaffolding? So of course we laid that foundation. We understand the why, we set up the ritual, we make sure that we're actually doing it. But then, you know, right, next thing you want to do is you want to make the book come alive. You might want to pair those activities with it so that you can build up one story at a time. Pun intended. I'm amazing. So apply the lessons of the books you read into life. Maybe you read about Little House on the Prairie and like we actually live where Laura Ingalls Wilder lived. So we lived in Red Wing, which is Pepin Lake, Little House in the Big Woods. Think of Little House on the Prairie. That's actually exactly where we live. We live in the Little House on the, we live in the Prairie, right where Laura Ingalls Wilder was. So we read the books and it's like, oh, but like maybe there's something about a kid sawing. And then you're like, hey, we're going to go saw something. That's like, it's easy, not hard, really fun to do. Like make the book come alive. Apply those lessons so the child can grow and you can grow and you can do an activity together. So as we started praying more as a family, we started small and we added more prayers into our day, as I said. You don't have to do all of this all at once, right? Like I said, you're going to start with just going or every Sunday you're going to read aloud and then you're going to start to move into the daily prayer or the daily reading of a book. And maybe it's one picture book or one small chapter or one mall or a section of a newspaper or a magazine or something or a poem, like a mother goose poem that the kids would like. If it's a teenager, maybe it's about college or maybe it's about something that they're interested in. And then they can be like, Dad, you're an idiot. Like, okay, fine. Well, tell me about virtual reality. Well, it's like this. And then they can they they can inform you. One book you might want to pick up, as I said in last week's podcast, was How to Apologize by David LaRochelle. I mean, think about it. I just told you what to do. So you're gonna read this book, and then how can you apply it? what's about how to apologize. So maybe you can go around the table apologizing badly, doing it wrong, and then laughing about about a bad apology and then going around again doing how to apologize correctly. Not only will there be laughter, but you also start to make apologizing part of your culture at home. Finally, the last thing that we're going to be working on here is, as in our family, is memorizing scripture verses and poetry at our at our at our table. 
our kids are sitting longer. They're really enjoying it. So a colleague of mine had recommended this strategy. They said, well, you should be reading a poem. You should be reading the same poem every day until it's memorized. So just keep reading the poem every day until it's memorized. Now that might be three months. It might be a whole year, but imagine, but you're totally going to get the poem read in a year. And, you know, I'm going to live for, you know, 30 to hopefully 30 years more, but I could, I could live for another 60 years. Imagine if I had 60 poems committed to memory. I mean, that'd be, I mean, I'd be really cool. I'd just be dropping poetry out of, I'll be a grandpa and I'll just be dropping poems. I'd be like the greatest grandpa in the world. But imagine if your kid is eight and then from eight to 80, that's 70 poems that they could be dropping at the minimum. Probably a lot more than that. Can you do that? Can you, can you, quote 70 poems off the top of your head if you can please leave a comment in the comment box i can't so i thought this colleague's suggestion was just completely great so because again we're religious i thought of adding okay well let's the kids are going to love this reading the poem thing and why not add us a memory a scripture memory verse for them to add on top of that so read the same verse every day until the whole family or most of the family has it memorized. And my wife is a teacher, so she always does like these hand motions that are really funny. And we laugh at the hand motions. But, I mean, it's, it's, it's funny. It's funny. And I wish you could be here because there's so much laughter around the table since we started doing these silly things when we made supper or dinner more active. And sometimes when we're all done with all of this, the kids, they forget to, they forget to be excused from the table. They just, they just sit there waiting for what's going to happen next. And, or maybe they say, dad, can you please read one more chapter? And all their food is gone and they're just waiting for me to read. And I'm again, I'm the loser. I'm tired. I'm like, no, you're done. You're going to bed because otherwise I'm never going to get to sleep. I'm never going to get my podcast in. Like, um, are you supposed to be spending more time with your family? Yes. I told you I have problems. That's why, that's why I'm doing this. Um, so, and, and okay. And, and you know, what, what, what is, what's the time I'm talking about? It's an hour. So once an hour seemed like forever and now it flies by and, and sometimes, sometimes it does feel the hour does feel like forever. But oftentimes it's, oh, it's an hour. We got to get going. We have bed. That's what I'm talking about, building upwards. Okay, we're done. Recommendations. Because I know that some of you might want that. So what poem, let's say you've been interested in what I've said. What are some things that you can apply today? Besides finding your why. Why are you doing this? What's the future plan? By doing this, I want my child to become or do or whatever. Answer that question. That's your why. And then outside of that, though, what's your ritual that you're going to do? Are you going to try the book every week? Are you going to try reading a poem every day? 
or three or five days a week? Are you going to, maybe you said, hey, I, I like that idea about, I want to just do the poem. I just want to start with memorizing a poem or a family scripture verse. If you're interested in the poem, like, if you wanted like the week, if you're going to do by week, pick up David Lovershell's How to Apologize. Pick up David Lovershell's How to Apologize if you want to read a book a week. Maybe I can recommend another book next week and then you can pick that one up for there. For um, you want to start reading a you know a book every day, you could of course read a picture book every day, which which I've talked about in other podcasts. But let's say you want to do the manners begin at breakfast, and just read for short snippets at a time. That's a really great one too. If you want to do a poem, there's a couple you can you, there's a couple you could do. You could do the Violet by Williams by William Wordsworth. Let me pull that one up here. Quick, the violet. A violet by a mossy stone, half hidden from the eye, fair as a star when only one is shining in the sky. So, like, like you could just say that every day until you have it memorized. If you want something longer, by all means, do All Things Bright and Beautiful by Cecil Francis Alexander. All things bright and beautiful, all creatures great and small, all things wise and wonderful, the Lord God made them all. Each little flower that opens, each little bird that sings, he made their glowing colors, he made their tiny wings, and so on. You could just repeat that over and over until you got it done. For scripture verses, if you're religious, you might want to consider John 3.16, now, maybe you know it, but do your children know it? Do your children know John 3.16? If you think that's too easy, you can do Matthew 5, 3 through 11. And if you don't know Matthew 5, then look it up. Start with the first Matthew 5, 3, right? You can start with Matthew 5, 3, and then when you have that memorized, then go Matthew 5, 3 and 4. Once you have that memorized, go Matthew 3, 5, and 6. See what I mean? Scaffolding, building upward. You can give the gift of literature and love in an easy way, just by reading aloud at dinner. That's the point. This is the Read Aloud Dinner Podcast. I thank you for listening. Goodbye.